Hi, this is Scott Ware with the Wherewithal Podcast, coming to you from Radiance Magazine offices and Body Studios, Anaheim. I'm the publisher and editor of Radiance Magazine, Integrative Wellness at its Best, found at locations all over Southern California, which explores all forms of wellness with an emphasis on natural modalities, alternative healing, physically non-invasive, etc., We talk about allopathic medicine as well. We love our traditional doctors, and we're most interested in those who are holistic, who incorporate all aspects of you in determining your treatment. Now, my guest today is very special. It's Reverend Danielle Marie Hewitt, who I have a significant personal relationship with, not just as a good friend, but also because she is the founder of Radiance Magazine and ran it for six years. She owns the nonprofit that licenses Radiance Magazine so that I may continue publishing it and getting this wonderful information out there. Thanks to all the contributors and also to Danielle, who still contributes to every issue with words of wisdom and is on the advisory board so that I may enjoy, continue to enjoy her wisdom and support. But first... Have you ever thought of cultivating the skills to become a medical intuitive? Endorsed by leading healthcare professionals, medical intuitive training offers certification in a powerful intuitive skill set designed to provide fast, accurate health assessments, eliminate guesswork, and help practitioners deliver fully integrated, holistic healthcare for body, mind, and spirit well being. A revolutionary new perspective in mind body medicine. Medical intuition can provide essential and practical support to any holistic healthcare practice. See us online the practical, at thepracticalpath.com or call 877-433-6611. Okay, now <laughs> it's time to turn off the TV and the computer, temporarily delay that visit to the theme park, that festival, that concert, that casino or fair. Put your phone on silent and prepare for an enhanced human experience, a -a one-of-a-kind, one-on-one Radiance experience that you will find featured in the September-October issue of Radiance Magazine. What's possible? Major shifts in the physical, mental, spiritual, if desired, and the emotional. Radiance Magazine has discovered and mapped some of the greatest experience experts in Southern California each with their own modalities, devices, energetic movement, and more. You are guaranteed to have an experience that is transporting and sometimes transcendent. It's your experience. Have it. Okay, now here we are with Reverend Danielle Marie Hewitt. And welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me here. I'm glad you could be here. So you um, are a theta healer. And that I take is energy healer of sorts. We know a lot about Reiki. I think of people don't know a lot about theta healing. What does that do that's different from Reiki? And what do people get out of their experiences with you? All healing modalities shift energy. It's um, you can put them under two different sort of subgenres that there's talk therapy and then there's non-talk therapy. Non-talk therapy would be Reiki, shamanic healing, energy, uh, meditation, um, uh, essential oils, crystals. And then, of course, 
there's the ones that, you know, the, the holistic healer is actually doing some talking. So therefore putting two broad categories, theta healing falls into talk therapy in that the holistic healer talks to the client and the goal is, is to discover the underlying root causes. That sounds kind of psychological, but it really is a, um, a speedboat uh, shortcut to getting to the bottom of an original incidence. And then the Theta Healer replaces the set of beliefs with a more positive one, and the subconscious mind heals. And the theory is the subconscious mind is what creates all of the physical, emotional, spiritual ill health beliefs we've had tucked away in there that are trauma. So it's basically getting to the bottom of the subconscious beliefs um, that say, I can't make money or I can never make too much money or I'll spend it. And everything in our life manifests from this collection of subconscious beliefs. Hmm. And they're as unique to every individual as they are to the next. And um, it's a fascinating field of work when you start getting to even people that have pre-language beliefs that are governing their, their day-to-day behavior. Okay. So if somebody, what kind of people come see you? Do they have anxiety? Do they have issues where they, maybe they've tried talk therapy or why would people come to you instead of seeing a therapist? Uh, usually what I get are people who are frustrated, mm-hmm. impatient, have exhausted all the other means I don't want to go to, quote, a traditional therapist because they've heard people talk about sitting on a couch for years and spending Mm. $10,000 and not getting anywhere. So usually frustration, impatience, wanting something faster, wanting something direct, they're ready. They're ready to shift it. And when they're at that point where they're ready, willing, and able to hear what they need to hear, to get on the other side of it, that's when spirit sends them to me or another talk therapist. Do they need to believe in spirit and they take, you mean God or source or higher intelligence? Um, all of the above, <laughs> whatever words you want to use, um, that which has a thousand names and yet remains nameless. Right. Um, I use the word spirit to <clears throat> simply delineate that separately from the physical um, person, that there's something beyond the physical person that is at work. Can you help an atheist? Of course. Okay. Of course. Yeah. There's no, they don't have to believe in anything other than their own ability to change their beliefs. I see. So they come in not knowing why they're, they have anxiety or why they have their issues, but at some level it's because they're causing their own suffering through a thought system or a belief system. Unbeknownst to them. Okay. Yes. And that is actually the key is And it's what I was thinking about the whole drive up here. I was listening to Mm -hmm. some beautiful music and I had tears coming down my cheek as I got closer to this idea. It's never outside of us. It's always within us. Mm. And if we have the power to create unhappy thoughts, unhappy feelings, despair, loneliness, we also have the power to discreate it and create something positive the power lies within us. And when we own that, and it can be a telephone book to swallow initially, that we are there are no villains in our life. 
That's a tough one. It's a, a tough one. It's tough. They're just teachers in our life. Yeah, they are right. just they are reflections. Reflections. They are reflections. And what I like to say is if you got up in the morning and you went to the mirror and you had on the world's ugliest sweater, mm-hmm. you can swear and you can point fingers and you can yell at the mirror mm-hmm. that the sweater is ugly. But until you put your hands on your own body and take off the sweater, the reflection's not going to look different. That's a good uh, metaphor. (laughs) You can get mad at the reflection all you want. It's just a reflection. But we don't, it's, it's hard to own it. It's easier to blame that other person or those other people. Super easy because, um, because we don't want to feel like we're wrong and taking accountability and, and owning it far too often and almost exclusively translates to I'm to blame. I'm the one that's wrong. It's my fault. And that doesn't feel good. Mm. And so the mm-hmm. secret to being able to change our own sweater yeah. and see a different reflection is to own it without blame, own it without fault. This was who I was. This was my belief at the time. This was why I behaved this way. Ah, uh, I did that, but I understand why I did that. I'm not a bad person. I just had a bad moment or I had bad skills or it's, it's owning it and being, being kind to yourself in that ownership. And when you can be kind in that ownership, that's when your ego goes, well, okay, maybe I'll let you own that one as long as you're not going to beat me up. Right. But if you're beating yourself up, your ego is going to go, oh, no, no, oh, no, no. It was them. They did it. They said it. They're the ones to blame. Right. You got to turn off the bully inside. And that's when you can start being kind to yourself. And that's when you own things. And that's when you are in power of the reflection. This sounds like down-to-earth psychology. Where does theta healing come in? And where does where theta healing, where does it come from? Uh, theta is the brain wave. We have our beta brain wave, our alpha brain wave. Beta is when you're driving, you're operating machinery, you've got so many cycles of brain activity going on per minute. Mm-hmm. The alpha brain wave is softer. This is when you're doing Reiki or when you're daydreaming and someone's talking to you and you don't hear them. All of a sudden you go, oh, huh, what? Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. Right. And they're six inches from you. Yeah. You were in an alpha brain wave. Um, you were kind of going into introspection. The theta brain wave is slower yet. This is also where rapid eye movement occurs when you're dreaming. So when you're in the theta brain wave, That's the slowed down cycles per second that opens the doorway between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. It allows us to get in there and take a peek at the cobwebs in there. And that's where you'll discover that every time you drive over a bridge, if your knuckles turn white and you grab onto the steering wheel, you might look in there and remember going over a bridge and hearing your parents in the front car say, this is scary. This bridge is really high. Mm. And maybe you were only two years old sitting in the back, but something got in that said bridges are scary. Bridges are dangerous. And you can't remember it in your conscious mind, but it stayed there. But your subconscious mind has got a record of it uh. and it will govern your behavior. And all of a sudden your physical body 
can start becoming very frightened. You could turn white. You could start sweating. Your heart could start palpitating. And you're like, what is this? I'm just going over a bridge. Right. So your subconscious mind, which is 90% of your thoughts, governs what we do. Mm. And if you don't believe that, have you ever driven down a freeway and gone past your exit? Yes. Who do you think was driving the car? My subconscious. Your subconscious. Mm. If it can drive a car on a freeway without you realizing it, it can drive a whole lot of other stuff that's going on with you. Interesting. Okay, so getting someone into a theta state sounds like you're relaxing them into a meditative state. Maybe hypnotherapy is involved? Uh, hypnotherapy is also in the theta brainwave. All hypnotherapists will get their client to the theta brainwave. That's the, that's the suggestive part. Are all and hypnotherapists hip theta healers? Um, the work is actually very hand in hand. Oh. They're taking you, they're getting you to relax. They're getting you and they say you feel very sleepy because... Again, the theta brainwave is in that pre-sleep state. Right. When people are in a theta brainwave, they're yawning because their body thinks they're about to go to sleep. Mm. This is where you dream in, a th in the theta state. So hypnotherapists will do something very similar. They'll take you to that theta brainwave. They'll start talking to you. They'll say, when you go over that bridge now, you are calm and relaxed. You are no longer afraid of it. You understand this bridge means you no harm and that it's safe and that the guardrails are there and that you've got your hands on the wheel and you're alert. You are now no longer one, two, three, wake up. You're no longer afraid of bridges. It seems to me a lot of people and that sounds effective, but it seems to me a lot of people would be hesitant because number one, they know they have to be quite vulnerable. And number two, they're so used to dealing with life as it is, as they have that they're just used to working around it and wearing that sweater, even when it's hot, too hot. But they're just, it's the, the, yeah. the thing they know rather than the thing they don't know. Right. And the difference between hypnotherapy and theta healing is in theta healing, you're wide awake and you're present. You know, exact. So it's, oh. it, you don't have that feeling of vulnerability that you're going to walk outside and start squawking like a chicken. Well, and hypnotherapists is, say the same thing. They're not going to. Right. You can't do anything you don't want to do. Right. Yeah. But people seem to be very vulnerable. And it's mm. scary to look at those thoughts. They're private. Um, we might feel that they're very ugly. We might feel we're ashamed of them. We might feel frightened of them. Strangely enough, we might feel as though they are our familiar companions. And how will we live without them? Right. Who will I be if I'm not the person that my father criticizes that drives me to always do better? Will I become apathetic? Will I become a sloth? Right. And so we sometimes believe that those negative beliefs are, have some sort of motivational factor for us. Is it an addiction? Um, it's a misguided set of beliefs. Okay. That we're very attached to. That we can become very attached to through fear. Okay. Um, and when you deal with beliefs, they are always sourced in feelings. Mm -hmm. And there are, of course, the feelings of love, but then we have the feelings of fear. Mm -hmm. And under that subgenre, under fear, they are sourced in rejection, regret, um, and lack of resolve. Um, and they're just, we have these, we always, we're always afraid of something. So we're afraid if we don't have somebody criticizing us to do better, we might become apathetic at work. We're wow. afraid um, we don't trust ourselves. What I find when... For a lot, of, for some people, it might be a um, 
a premium or, or a treat in their life to say, well, I'm going to visit a holistic healer and I want to, I want to get taken care of. And, but I, I got to say that they'd be correct in saying there, it's going to be a treat because you, you get paid attention to in a way you're not used to out in the world, mm-hmm. um, mind, body, and spirit. Would you say you look at the person's whole being in that way? And I think most people come to a holistic healing practitioner either out of curiosity, mm-hmm. out of desperation. I've tried everything else. Let me see if this will work. Right. Um, or those that have previously experienced said, that's how I get my stuff done. That's where I go. So it's either confidence, curiosity, or last resort. Right. The holistic healer, um, we do. We, we, want, we, we care deeply, and all healers care. Dentists and doctors and chiropractors, they're all healers. We just use different methods and different ways of going about it. The holistic, which is the community that you and I and all of our, our colleagues belong to, is we understand You don't just take somebody's temperature and say they have a fever. You understand why they're having a temperature and what's behind it. Is it more elements to it than just that you've got some bad bacteria in there or you've caught a virus? Right. Have you lowered your immune system because you're stressed at home, stressed on the job, that sort of thing? And even the the medical community is beginning to understand that stress is behind about 90% of all illnesses. Mm. Because stress lowers our immunity, lowers our resolve, makes us tired, makes us depressed, makes sure. us sad, makes us feel hopelessness and despair. And then we don't feel strong. We don't feel strong. We are then vulnerable in a very fragile state to anything that could come our way. And so we've got to get back to a place of love. And um, there are holistic healers out there that, that you know, aren't always of the purest agenda, but I think that that's true in any field. There are always doctors that have private agendas and attorneys that have private agendas. But I would say on the whole, holistic healers, I'd say 99% of us just want to be love-based. Yep. I want to help people feel better and do well. And our greatest joy is when somebody creates a shift and their life is just that little bit better after having spent time with us. And it might not be 100%, but if we can help them go out into the world after they've spent time with us feeling a little bit better, then we get to carry the wave of the ripple effect. They walk out of our door feeling a little better. They walk out in the world, and they're going to interact with 100, 200 people in that next three or four days before that special feeling wears off or wans a little bit. And we've, we've affected hundreds and hundreds of people. And that's the matrix that we're trying to create. We're trying to raise group consciousness. It's not just about helping Scott feel better about falling down that day and hurting your ankle. It's about if you feel a little bit better, then you step into the group consciousness feeling a little bit better and everybody feels a little bit better. Right. It's so much more than a one-on-one experience. And that's when the holistic healer really starts getting the bigger picture and the work takes on a much deeper meaning than let me get a book of clients so I can pay my rent. Right. And get groceries. It's much it's a much bigger picture. Well, in the world would be a better place if we had holistic healers on every corner 
helping people. And that, that's that's a time we envision, something we envision happening. And why not? People eventually would want would get the benefits of self-care. Yeah. If every little corner strip mall had a holistic healer in it, in addition to a chiropractor, a dentist, and a 7-Eleven. <laughs> right. And some of the acupuncturists and chiropractors are yeah. holistic healers. Yeah. Yes, they are. They are very much so. Yeah. I would say most of them. They are at least alternative, meaning that they are looking for a slightly different way than traditional Western medicine. And I would say most of them have at least some aspect of holistic healing in understanding the bigger picture. I was told by um, a medical intuitive who actually gets in front of medical doctors, allopathic doctors, and she was told time and again, that the best medical doctors are intuitive, whether they admit it or not. Mm -hmm. I read something mm -hmm. similar that in a private survey, 75% of doctors believe that emotions mm -hmm. and that um, alternative and integrative wellness is better for their patients. 50% of them had actually done some sort of study. 5% of them would be willing to admit it. Yeah, right. Well, when and they talk about using their intuition, um, now you go, you've really developed your intuition because in addition to being a theta healer, you are an intuitive reader and you get messages and give messages to people. And I just want to read a, a something, one testimonial here. Danielle has been and continues to be my number one go-to reader healer. She's phenomenal. I've never met anyone with such compassion and accuracy to get to the bottom of my triggers, fears, and problems. She's been such a huge inspiration and guides my children in my life that uh, I would, I'm recommending her to anyone who feels ready to truly shift. Now, that sounds amazing. That's what, what kind of messages do you get and how does that help in someone's wellness? Um, that is... Uh, without sounding bragging, that is the kind of message I get as feedback from people. Um, and I'm devoted. I am absolutely, wholly and completely devoted to helping people get to the truth. I think it's the greatest mercy that we can give to anybody and to ourselves is getting to the truth of our situation because the truth empowers us. And that's really how I serve best. Heals us also. And, and he, healing happens through empowerment because pain happens through disempowerment. Mm. So when we are empowered, we are healing just kind of comes along for the ride. Okay. Um, because if we're, if we're healed but not empowered, that's not as great to me as being both empowered and then healing comes along sure. uh, with it. When you're empowered, you have your free will. You have your sovereignty. You have a voice, you have a choice, you have a purpose, you have a direction. Um, it's the purpose-driven life, as um, as we've heard the Reverend from Saddleback Valley, uh, Rick Warren, Rick Warren um, the purpose-driven life. That mm -hmm. was his entire method. And, and when we are empowered, we then we can create a purpose for ourselves. And we feel like self-worth. We have meaning. Yes. We, we're a contributor and we are relevant we are not invisible. And we, striving we have is meaning. thriving. And striving is thriving. And so that's my goal is anybody who comes to me is I look and I look for their disempowerment. And their disempowerment is tied up somewhere with a lie. Right. 
and they didn't know it was a lie and they don't know that they're breeding a lie, but if they believe they're not good enough, they're not old enough, they're not young enough, they're not smart enough, um, they didn't have good enough parents, they didn't get enough education, those are all lies. Well, I'm going to repeat some of your words right here. You said healing occurs when you detach from the idea that you are or have or have ever been anything other than love. That's right. How, how would you restate that? Uh I was listening to a beautiful song uh, by an artist called Anders Holt on the way up here as I drove. Um, And it said, would you consider the impossible? Would you consider falling in love with you? Hmm. And if you can pause for a moment, that is not self-serving. It's not self-aggrandizing. It's not arrogant. It is what if you could fall in love with you? What if you looked in the mirror and felt only feelings of love? And I'm not talking about egoic admiration sure. and, and saying, oh, how pretty you are. Right. And, oh, my goodness, you look 10 years younger than everybody else. Right. <laughs> it's, it's really falling in love with yourself. Now, imagine if you could just close your eyes, if you loved yourself, what would you automatically do without even thinking about it? That's a great question. You would love others. Oh, yes. That's the answer. Uh, If you are kind to yourself, you are kind to others. Right. If you respect yourself, you respect others. It's absolutely impossible to treat yourself so well and then treat others poorly. We only treat others poorly because that's how we treat ourselves. The bully is on the inside. Right. And when I look at people who are spewing insults and being a bully and behaving negatively, my first thought is, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. That's how they talk to themselves. Mm. Yes, they're talking to me that way. Right. But that's how they talk to themselves. Mm. And I send them love. And Mm. Vianna Steibel, the founder of Theta Healing, once said, you wouldn't let people talk to you the way you talk to yourself. Right. Yeah, you'd you'd come you'd come out swinging if someone <laughs> said the things to you that you say to yourself. Right, and that's really fall in love with yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be really gentle and sweet. And it doesn't mean not be accountable. And that is truly, I think we we're coming back around to it again. The magic combination is own it, but own it gently. Own it lovingly, own it with kindness to mm-hmm. yourself, and imagine a world. And I, I often quote the philosopher Immanuel Kant, who says that it is, he proposes this idea that he calls the categorical imperative. And what he means is it is imperative that whatever thought process we have, we apply it categorically. If I am kind to myself, what will my world look like? If I drop a piece of trash, what does my world look like if everybody else did exactly the same thing? Exactly. If we applied it categorically to the world, if we all, 7 billion people dropped a piece of trash at the same time, what would our world look like? If I pick up that piece of trash and 7 billion people in the world pick up a piece of trash, what will my world look like? Sure. So the categorical imperative said, 
says, do not separate yourself and think that your actions have no meaning, have no impact. And so if you love yourself and you are kind to yourself and you say respectful, self-honoring things, now close your eyes and imagine if 7 billion people did the same thing. And Scott and I are both tearing up here at the moment. Both of us, are, our eyes are glistening, imagining what our world would look like if 7 billion people were kind to themselves. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's a great goal. You got to give that, uh, that movement a name. Uh, I don't know that I could vary from the categorical comparative. I, I, I wouldn't take that away from the philosopher that coined it. Um, but maybe playing on it somehow. It is. Um, it is. It's the matrix. It's the group consciousness. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of words that apply to it. Um, spirits. It, it's the veil. It would be. It would be lifting the veil, and 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 being and and being in the truth. Right. It's it's living beyond the veil, because the the veil is separate from. You can call it spirit, but you can be an atheist and still believe in love. And family sure, exactly. and kindness. We can agree on those things. Yeah, da- the Dalai Lama says my religion is, is kindness. kindness. Yep. Who 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 isn't on board with kindness right. and love? Exactly. So yeah. Well, now you feel these things very strongly, and in fact, you probably uh, had all these things in mind or in your heart when you opened a spiritual center some years ago. And that must have been quite an experience, all the people coming through your doors who you saw being disempowered and being lifted by the, the classes and workshops you offered. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, you know, you know what's strange, Scott, is even though it's only been a little over a year since the Temple of Light closed, it almost feels like another lifetime ago. Sure. Um, years ago, in the summer of uh, 2008, I'm going to say, I was sitting at my kitchen table. Um, my husband had gone up to bed. The kids were in bed, and I was playing with some of Doreen Virtue's um, oracle cards. And I felt very lonely. Um, as much as my family um, is very loving and um, we have a wonderful family, I felt lonely for people who I could talk to spiritually about the things I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. So I wanted a spiritual tribe. And I had looked around, I had gone to many of the places that were local, and they were all wonderful, but they weren't quite what I was looking for. And I said very loudly, I need a spiritual family. And a voice that I did not know who at the time, that I now believe to be Archangel Michael, said just as loudly right back to me, then build one. And... A couple of days later, I was just doodling and the words Temple of Light were drawn from my hand. Mm. They were sort of just channeled through me. And then came, it was first in my garage and then it was in a building, a small suite of, uh, oh gosh, probably less than a thousand square feet. It It was to build a community. It was to bring kindred spirits together. It was to give people like me who had loving families but didn't feel comfortable talking to their families about it, a place to go. It was community. It was tribe. Sure. Um, And we empowered 
a lot of people. I was going to say, even though it, it's closed, it, it made such an impact on the community, sent ripples of goodness out. I, I would like to think so. And, yeah. and, and um, I've been guided to believe that the impact is immeasurable of what it got is. created. When you, when you attend one class, I mean, it, it can be a journey just in that one class. It could be an adventure right there. I, I've taken some classes with you where you led uh, meditations that went to incredible places that I'll, I'll never forget. You know, just really mystical, magical experiences. And I, I think it's a process. And maybe if I would say anything to anybody who is endeavoring to be on a spiritual path and to get to a place of love and fear, it isn't something that happens overnight. It isn't something you can wake up and say, I'm going to abandon all my fears and I'm going to live in love. <laughs> it's a process. And Theta Healing is one of the tools that we can use in that process you got to get to them in layers. And, and I don't think, I think it would create shock in our system if we were to abandon and release everything that's formed our personality. We have to do it in pieces. Absolutely. And sometimes I, I see a lot of impatience out there and I've been impatient myself. And that comes back to being kind to ourselves. Sure. And I've woken up and I have sort of growled as I've woken up, how much longer am I going to be doing it this way? And then I remember to be kind. And just there's that part of me that says, could we just not feel this pain any longer? Could we just kind of get through this today? And it's a matter of saying, okay, what can I do today? And I, you've got a cup on your desk here that says just for today. And it's a reminder to be present. What can I do today? What can I shift today? How can I move one increment away from fear and towards love today? And really, that is that is the key, is doing it incrementally, day by day. It, it just occurred to me that one benefit to people, one of the many benefits to people being becoming spiritual or acknowledging spirituality is that a big part of that tends to be that we understand that we had some say in what we did when we came here, what kind of life we're going to live. And so that when things get rough or challenging, there is some relief in saying, oh, I chose this, so I, let me let me look for the lesson in it. There's something here I need to learn, and that becomes empowering. Would you agree? Um, I would, and I've said that myself. I've heard other spiritual healers say it. It's very often followed up with a joke of, and what was I thinking when yeah. I chose this? Yeah. Um, because when you make that joke, we actually are believing that it's about us individually, that I came here to learn this lesson. Why did I do that? I must've been crazy. Again, I'm going to go to the bigger picture. We didn't come here to do it for our own soul's growth. We came here to have the experience to heal from it so that we could increase the group consciousness to do the same. There is a much greater purpose. And so when, mm. if I, I would, I would bid you to consider when you're feeling down about your journey, remember, it's not just about you. You came here to help millions of people heal by you going through the healing process yourself. And the, 
the celebration is not just for you when you heal. It is for all the people out there that will feel the effects. Sure. We, we are connected like the orchard filled with olive trees. When one is healthy, the rest are healthy. That's right. And so when we heal, we actually cannot count how many people we also help heal. There is a great purpose to it. And so we've got to get out of the me. Right. And into the group. Well, it's funny because you said, and, and a lot of us say this, and uh, we say our soul's growth. But in actuality, the soul's not going to grow anymore. The soul is what it is. The soul's magnificent. But it's what what is growing or uncovering layers to align with the soul. Right. What What is it? You, you, you answered yes. Like who's on first base? Yes. <laughs> oh, what is it? So oh, um, the it is. Um, we go. Be, we we go. I think when I look at the the star system, the galaxy, the universe, the the multi universes, um, the, the you know the trillions of parallel universes, understanding what life is, is likely beyond most of what our human brains can even have the capacity to begin to imagine. We are connected. And so as each individually, if we wake up in the morning and discard a fear and replace it with love, we have to understand the scope of what we've just done. And that other people are out there doing it for us. And maybe the reason you walked in today and felt really good was maybe there was a healer in this Badai Studios yesterday that created an amazing healing for somebody. And right. when we walked in, you said there's somebody in a healing session right now. I can feel it. Mm. And I'm not even sitting in there. Right. So, you know, if you can't afford to go to a healing session, go park yourself outside. Outside Badai <laughs> Studios, yeah. <laughs> and feel the vibe. Then feel right. the vibe. Um, we're, we're connected in ways that are, I think, beyond our human capacity to understand. And yet at the same time, there's a feeling that we perhaps can't put words to. Exactly. Let me ask you this. It will be great when energy healings and this sort of thing can be covered by insurance, because you mentioned the affordability just offhandedly. And, but for something uh, like an insurance company, they would need some kind of measurement, I suppose because of all their checks and balances. I mean, we, we did, we, it was an interesting world you know, 30 years ago before we had most of the kind of insurance we have now, and it was different, but we have the insurance now. So um, I wonder, if, how could this be measured? Oh, well, you bring up an interesting point because in a, in a traditional doctor's medical file, there are follow-up exams and, more x-rays and they can actually put in the file, you know, patient has 10% more dexterity or flexibility than they did before the treatment last week. So it is very empirical, That's right. the evidence. Um, and holistic healing, um, a friend of mine, Mark Peebler, used the phrase healing arts. And that is perhaps a very important distinguishing this is not a science what we do it's an art ah. and this is that where medical is very scientific what we do is an artist art, artistic expression if a 
if a model were sitting in a room and there were a hundred different artists and they each had their own canvas and their own paintbrush, and they were told to paint that model and they could use whatever medium they wanted. Some are going to use pencils and some paint. They're all going to get a different impression. But then is healing the right word to use because Um, people take that to mean one particular thing? They assign a particular meaning to it. I want to fix this. Right. Um, and so when you visit a healing arts practitioner, Mm -hmm. they're going to see it different than you see it. They're going to have a different perspective, a different impression on what perhaps might be the most important thing to create a shift in consciousness in that results in a more empowered situation, which then inevitably results in healing. Well, this is why we, where we get into woo-woo, what uh, skeptics would call woo-woo or pseudoscience, um, because it's harder to it's not, measure. It's, it's, it's not replicatable. It's not replicatable. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and it's not scientific and it's not empirical. Right. And you have the mind of an accountant. You've been, you are an accountant. You have been uh, more in the past. And uh, so, you know, just even the way you speak, you're not airy-fairy about this. It's very down-to-earth what you're saying. So... What, what could we say to the skeptics about the uh, benefits of this with or versus allopathic medicine? Uh, gosh. What do you say to them? Um, consider feeling better. And do, <laughs> do you actually need to measure and have a documented file Um, Imagine then you would have to keep a diary every day of every moment in order to start creating some empirical evidence on how it is and and what you mean. But we don't want you to go about measuring every moment of every day. And I think experience it, try it, consider exploring it, and measure for yourself and experience how you feel afterwards. Do you feel better? You feel better. You go to get a massage mm-hmm. and you're, you're willing to pay 70, 80, 90 and with a tip, you know, well over a hundred dollars and you feel better for a couple of days. Right. And so many people create a line item in their budget, speaking like an accountant, <laughs> and they will go to a massage therapist once or twice a month because they want to maintain feeling better well and there's feeling better and there's also the health benefits of blood flow and uh, all the other precisely um but massages are not armed with empirical evidence it just there's there's somebody moving their hands over you they're shifting muscles they're moving fascia they're creating blood flow Um, but there's no medically documented file or x-ray that demonstrates how you feel better and yet it is frequently covered by insurance after an accident i believe Yes. Yeah. It would be under the guise of physical therapy, but yes, right. it is massage. Right. Um, so what, I mean, massage is physical therapy. Right. So is chiropractor. Anything that is physical that makes you feel better is a form of physical therapy. Sure. Um, if it's emotional therapy, we call it a psychologist or a psychiatrist that would help you. It's just semantics. Um, I think the lar- levels of education. Right. And I, I, I think The biggest, if you're asking for how do we get there, it's the difference is is that the holistic healers don't often have certifications from accredited governing bodies. Right. 
And perhaps that is what we need, is we need to have governing bodies and school systems where Reiki is taught. Right. And there's reputable, credible teachers say, oh, they went to the Institute of Reiki in Boulder, Colorado. Okay, they've got that certification on the wall. I can trust them. Well, and there are certifications and licenses. There, But there are so many that aren't. There you go. Um, and I think perhaps that is the issue. And, and I remember on that topic when I first passed the CPA exam and I left the CPA firm that I was working for and I went out and became self-employed and I got my own business card and it had my name, comma, CPA. Right. It had meaning. Mm -hmm. It meant something to people. They looked at that and they automatically knew, oh, she has a higher education. She's worked for a CPA firm. She's passed the ethics exam. She's passed the CPA exam. She must know what she's talking about. Right. And when I started my own CPA practice, I got clients left and right. My referral tree was thriving. One client referred two. Those two clients referred two. Within a year, I had a book of business with a six-figure income. When I started doing holistic healing, I went, oh, I've got this. I've started a business before. I'm really clever about this. I know what to do. I didn't have an equivalent of three letters in an acronym following my name. I had no credibility. Right. It was a completely different experience. It was built on individual trust. And even the people that had an amazing experience were shy about referring their friends and family. Right. Well, you would refer a good CPA all day long. So yeah. I, I, I think the answer is, how do we get more people? How do we get skeptics to turn into non-skeptics? I think we need to have some sort of official regulation that allows the skeptics to put trust in an institution or some sort of accreditation. Right. I agree. Um, I want to go back to the Temple of Light because I want to talk briefly about how you started a magazine there. Ah, okay. <laughs> going to cover that before the hour's up. Um, Radiance Magazine, which um, was sort of complementary to the Temple of Light, and yeah. then you expanded and expanded it, and then uh, and people by now know that I expanded it further. When we um, first opened our doors at the Temple of Light, um, one of the jobs of a good distributor is to take note of new locations, and one day uh, a distributor showed up at the door and said, oh, I see online that you're a spiritual community. Can I put some free magazines here? And so we were gifted with a person that came in every month and we were given Awareness Magazine, mm -hmm. Awakenings Magazine, the whole calendar, and another one from San Diego that was up at the time. Um, that Something Awakening, Spiritual Awakenings. No, the, the name escapes me now. But we, we had these four magazines. Right. And I'm going to give a shout out here to uh, Brandon Camacho for Awakenings. As I looked at his magazine that he and his then wife, Jessica, were creating, it had all these wonderful articles and it had all these events in there that were describing what was happening at the Awakening store. And I called Jessica Camacho. Um, she's now uh, uh, just a... Um, and I asked her about the magazine and she said, we have advertisers, we have great things. It promotes the events. And she said, it's a great way to keep the community 
involved in the store and knowing what we're doing. Right. And it's a it's a it's an ambassador and a form of communication. Because their store was and is also a school and a workshop and that's it's not only a retail store, but they also have um they also have healers that work on site and they um also have a room that they do events for. In Laguna uh off of La Paz Road in Laguna Niguel. Yeah. Um I called her. She was very generous. And I said, well, how, how would it work? Um, and at the time, I had a young woman working for me, Rondi. And the idea just kind of came. And it really came together overnight. It was amazing mm. how quickly it came together. We said, okay, we know what magazines look like. We know what the end product should be. Let's put it together. And a small group of novices, we somehow managed to do it. And it just grew and got better. Every year, every issue, we went to color, and um, just like a child, it grew. Yep. And it's still growing, and you still contribute to it. You advise me, and uh, it's... And I I think it goes to say everybody has seen the growth that has happened um, in just, I guess would say, what, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the young child is now going to college and about to go bursting out on the road. Um, But it's it's beautiful seeing the growth that it's had. And, um, you know, you're creating the dream I always saw it doing. Yep. It worked. Yeah. Continuing it. And it's it's just something to read these. It's like when you want to read sacred text, you want it in physical form. A lot of people do. And a lot of the words in there from the contributors are channeled. They're empowering I mean, I think a lot of people really like to see it in print, and they can read it, of course, at radiancemagazine.org. But, um, yeah, we're going to keep it growing. It is. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite things to do when the new issue comes out. I find a corner spot on the couch. I make a cup of tea. <laughs> I curl up, and I, and I read every page. That's awesome, of course, especially the two or three pages. I know it's two or three pages. <laughs> <laughs> I read You're, my own, sure, sure. I do. But no, the um, articles are great, very wise. You. Always get big, you know, a lot of compliments on them. It's um, not only the way you speak; uh, you're very articulate. You write in the same way, and it's got a lot of flow and a lot of heart and deep, deep meaning. Thank you, thank you so very much. Um, so before we uh, finish, I just wanted to ask: when people want to see you privately. Um, to have a special session. I mean, I've heard incredible things about when I've, I've had some experience with that with you. Um, but, and people could probably tell just by the way you speak that they're going to get to a theta level pretty easily. You have a very excellent way of taking people into deep meditative states where just whatever they want to have happen almost can happen. Um, what kind of people do you think would be interested in seeing you? Who, who would, who do you want to speak to out there that you, particularly help the i'm working right now with a new website designer and and a branding i suppose is a very marketing term and she asked me for something succinct to describe and i said life mentor and she said why not life coach um and i chose life mentor because i think what I would have liked earlier on in my life is just having somebody to go to that says, I'm having a bad day. This is where I am. Can you help me get past this? And that's what I like to do is I like to help people get past whatever it is that they're in and get on the other side of it. 
Um, so I'm, I'm embracing the term life mentor. Uh, right now, my website is messengeroflight.org. I am in the process of doing a new one, Danielle Marie dot, excuse me. Yeah. Dan, no, yeah. Danielle Marie dot me. Dot me. Yeah. Yes. Danielle Marie dot me. <laughs> Sorry. I'm still getting used to it. Not, I'm, I'm used to the dot org or the dot com that comes afterwards, right. but it's, it's going to be Danielle Marie dot me. But right now you can use messengeroflight.org. Um, and I, appointments with you absolutely, the absolutely. Yeah. I work, I work from home, um, with either FaceTime or zoom and I can talk to people anywhere, anytime. Cause you can key in on their energy. You can give them messages from, do you get messages from their guides? I will get messages. Um, when we open sacred space, their guides, their guardian angels, my guides, my guardian angels, and very specific, recently, I've been working very closely with Archangel Michael, who is present in all of my readings. He's with us here today, guiding some of the words that I've said. And I not only will speak the advice that he provides, but I also will channel a direct message from him. And usually each healing session, you do get a direct message from Archangel Michael. Okay. Now you get to speak with Michael. He's probably pretty busy, but uh, how is it you have his ear? Uh, the one, the, the one beautiful thing about working with any masters or any angels is they can bilocate. They can be with seven billion people all at one time. Uh, you never get a busy signal. Huh. They never put you on hold, and you are never taking up their time. That in that you are taking it away from somebody else. And what does he specifically bring? as opposed to speaking with anyone else. I like his energy because it is in alignment with my message is he is compassionate, loving, direct, bold, and truthful and straightforward. And to me, that is the most merciful way to speak to somebody is tenderly and truthfully. Um, I sometimes use the phrase uh, candor with kindness um, but I believe that people mm. can only move forward when they absolutely, when they see the absolute truth. You're not helping them by molly cuddling them. Molly cuddling. That's part of your English background. <laughs> 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 well, candor with kindness though is key. That is, that is the foundation of the work that I do. Okay. It's very direct, but in a non-judgmental and what I can say is in that you're, you're fairly, would you call yourself evidential? Uh, yes. A lot of the information that comes through will describe some sort of history in a situation that allows the client or the, or the student to take that step that says, oh, okay, how could they have known that this must be real? Exactly. She, Yes. And that happens with you. So, um, and is there a phone number people can reach you? 949-244-1960. I will say that if I get a call from somebody that doesn't show up in my contacts, I will let it go to voicemail um, so that I can hear who it is first. You're better off texting me at that number, 949-244-1960. Just text me and then I'll give you a call back and Okay, and the new website again. DanielleMarie.me. Excellent. Thank you for coming in. You are welcome. How much fun was this? It was great. All right, and thank you all for listening.